from the Gospel of John. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking about uh, keeping God's commandments, or as I like to call it, obedience. And that's a really fun topic for us uh, because being obedient is not something that I always do particularly well. If my wife was next to me, she'd be elbowing right now to pay attention to this sermon, in fact. And so that might be the state that some of you are in. It's a difficult subject. And as a, as a young dad, I'm learning what it's like to approach this subject from the captain's chair. Right until I had kids, obedience didn't mean all that much to me, uh, except what I could do to stay out of trouble. But as a dad, I have to now be an enforcer. And I've learned the secret. It's actually the same secret that I uh, did on my uh, dog when we first got him as a puppy. All I have to do is pretend that whatever he wants to do is what I want him to be doing. It's really easy. If he starts throwing food on the floor, it's like, you know, you know what, Asher, please keep throwing food on the floor. You're doing exactly what your dad wants you to do. Please keep feeding the dog. He's very hungry. Thank you, buddy. You don't want to take a nap? I didn't want you to take a nap either. In fact, I wanted you to hang out and play. It's really easy. He, he does everything that I want him to do. Now, you all know that that's not the way that it works. Uh, disobedience is hardwired into us. And for some of us, you know, we know, we know when our conscience is pricked. We know when we're doing the wrong thing. But I think it's a rarity sometimes that we really go against what we feel and live into what we believe. You know, there's this uh, idea in our culture that to live according to your feelings is to be truly authentic, right? You're being, you're being your best you or, or, you know, the real you. The problem is the Scripture calls us not merely to authenticity but to integrity. And there are going to be times where we have to disobey our feelings to live according to what we believe as Christians. And that's when things get really tough. You know, to be, this, again, disobedience is hardwired into us. And so what we're going to be talking about this morning is how do we move our hearts to do the things that we don't naturally want to do. And I'm going to keep this sermon pretty structured for today. Uh, we're going to do three points to kind of follow along. Uh, the first one is from our gospel passage, obedience is motivated by love. The second is obedience is for our benefit. And the third is obedience is only possible through the Holy Spirit. Obedience, so point one, obedience is motivated by love. Last Monday, I had a brilliant idea that I was going to order a chore chart for my three-year-old. And I was really excited about it. It has, you know, all of these lists of activities that he needs to be doing, and I got these stars for him. And then I borrowed this uh, toy cash register, you know, with all sorts of coins and money, and I got him my old wallet. And I had this, you know, this brilliant system that was going to work perfectly to teach him how to be obedient, to teach him how to do, uh, to keep, uh, well, I guess my commandments. Um, so I get all of these things together, and, uh, you know, I put everything out there, and I lay it up for him, and we're all super excited about it. And he's like, you know, brush my teeth, get a star, put my clothes away, get a star, take a bath, get a star. And, uh, you know, so I start showering him with, with all these little plastic coins that he throws up and loses and puts his wallet, and we're all excited. And then I went and laid down for bed, and I started to think, you know, all I'm doing is introducing a reward system for all of the things that he's been doing on his own anyway. He'd already been putting his clothes away because we asked him to. He's already brushed his teeth every night. He already does all of these things. Now, remember, he's not a teenager, right? So he still listens to his dad. 
But, but at this point, you know, he was already been doing all of these things. And what I had been doing is I had been taking a system that was motivated by love, that was motivated by a relationship that we shared with each other, and substituting a purely economic relationship based on rewards. It was a step backwards. You know, I was missing this whole idea of the relationship that we share and our household interaction, the fact that you do these things because you are a part of this house. And, and we see these two competing systems play out in all of our relationships, don't we? Systems uh, of obedience based on love and relationship and care for one another versus systems of obedience that are based on rewards and punishments. You know, consider marriage for a second. Again, it's in all of our relationships. When we get married, we take vows, right? Better or worse, sicker, uh, what is it? Sickness and health, richer or poorer. And we make significant commitments to one another. And as anyone who has been married for more than two seconds can tell you, it's a lot easier to live into those commitments when the relationship is flourishing, when it's strong, than it is when there is uh, built-up contempt or resentment. You know, it's interesting, the way that we're built, the way that we're wired, the more that you know you are loved, the more self-sacrifice and obedience and even discipline are naturally woven into the nature of those relationships. You know, in, in any healthy relationship, you aren't obedient in order to be loved. You're obedient because you are receiving that love. You know, and the commandments that God gives us, this is supremely important for us to realize, the commandments that God gives us, what He tells us to do in Scripture, He gives us because He loves us and because they're for our good. You know, they're, they're absolutely for our good. It might surprise some of us to consider the fact that obedience to God's commandments actually leads us to a greater degree of freedom. That sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? But that's the case. You know, we think of obedience as for submissions to another's will, right? Putting our will aside for somebody else. But when God asks us to live for Him, it leads us to freedom. You know, and, and here's what I mean by that. Obedience to God's commands is its own reward. When God calls you to forgive as you have been forgiven, that frees you from bitterness, doesn't it? Instead of holding on to a grudge or uh, wanting to punish somebody, or what it, who is it that said um, that... Uh, Bitterness, you know, not forgiving somebody, it's the poison you drink when you want someone else to die, right? That idea. Well, if you live into forgiveness, you don't have to carry that around with you anymore. You're, you're being obedient to God, but you are also free. Or think about this, when God calls you to live honest and upright lives, you're freed from the burden of keeping secrets. You don't have to look over your shoulder or wonder or worry if, if you're going to be found out. You know, as one, of our, as one of my professors said, you know, your secrets, uh, you don't take your secrets to the grave, your secrets take you to the grave. But if you're able to live open and honest life, you're not burdened by that, you're not trapped by that, you get to live in freedom. And here's one more, when God calls us to live sacrificially, we're freed from, ma from the mastery of our possessions, right? Here's another quote that, that has stuck with me, the things you own end up owning you. But if you live with a free hand and a gracious hand according to God's obedience, you're not bound by them, but you live in what? What's the word I keep using? Freedom, right? It's this beautiful concept of God giving us these things for our benefit when we're being obedient to Him. We get stuck, though, when other authority figures that we've had over us 
have treated us harshly or unfairly or tried to manipulate us into obedience. Has this ever happened to you? Not one of us has had a perfect parent. Not one of us has had a perfect uh, authority figure or a perfect boss, except me. But nobody, I'm kidding, oh, that's for Father Chris's benefit, but nobody else, right? Like we've all had authority figures who try to weaponize things against us, uh, who've used things like fear to manipulate us or obligation to manipulate us or guilt to manipulate us. And the problem comes when we take these things that have been done to us and we attribute those to God. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Do you feel like God tries to uh, scare you into a relationship with Him? Do you feel like God tries to guilt you into a relationship with Him, into following His commandments? Probably not. Absolutely not. Do you think God tried to wheedle or cajole you into this sense of um, obligation? You know, it's funny. Tone is everything, right? When, when we read this passage, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, this isn't God saying, like, you know, if you love me, you would do this for me. God is just being crystal clear, a straight shooter, and perfectly upfront, and He's just letting us all know that if we love Him, if our hearts are in the right place, we are keeping His commandments. If we are being disobedient, if we're shirking what God has called us to do, it's because our hearts aren't in the right place. Again, the commandments of God allow us to live freely free from all the weight and burdens that we place upon ourselves. You know, I was bowling with Gabe uh, months ago, and uh, Gabe is my three-year-old, by the way, and he's not quite, you know, what's the smallest ball, like eight pounds? That's still a whopping size for him. And so we, we, we brought out this contraption. Uh, have you all seen it before? It's got the two rails, and they kind of go out, and then they go down. It's like a little, it's a, a little ramp thing you put a ball on. And so we took Gabe bowling, and we put, put this, you know, put the bowling ball on the ramp, and we tried to set it up right, and, you know, he was just strong enough to push the ball down, and it flew out and down the ramp and down towards the pins. And me, you know, being a dad, I'm like, well, we need to make this challenging, and, you know, we need to make this interesting. And so I was like, we don't need bumpers, thank you very much. He's three, okay, we've got this. And so, you know, but the problem was those rails weren't perfectly straight. And there's a little bump at the end. And try as we might, the ball never made it all the way down to the pins. It kept rolling left or right and getting stuck in the gutter. And my, you know, my three-year-old's getting frustrated, and I'm, and I'm kind of like rising to the challenge. You know, I've almost forgotten he's here at this point, right? I'm like, we're gonna, I'm going to hit these pins down. You know, for, I mean, again, that's, that's the way these things work. But eventually, you know, I realized if we just put those bumper rails up, if we just had something in place... We could put the ball, and it could ping its way all the way down to its heart content, but it would be guarded. It would be safe. It wouldn't get stuck in the gutter. There would be rails, but that ball would experience a lot more freedom, right, than it would if it just immediately dumped into the gutter and got stuck. And that's what God's commands do for us. They allow us to live a life that has more opportunities, more joys, more freedom, because we're not stuck into sinful patterns of behavior or constantly trying to cover up the ways that we've been living. It's a really beautiful thing. And, and the other reason, by the way, that God's commands are really good for us, that they bring life to us, is because if we all stopped and thought for even a moment about the level of responsibility that we have as Christians and as people, the fact that being made in God's image means that He has given us the power and responsibility to shape worlds. 
If you're a parent, think about how much responsibility you have. If you're a friend, think about how much responsibility you have. If you're an employer, think about the amount of responsibility that you have, right? I mean, you're seeing a pattern here. God has given us enormous responsibility, you know, shaping people's lives. And the only way that we can carry that appropriately or handle it right is to be obedient to God's commandments. So again, obedience to God is perfect freedom, and it's for our benefit. And this brings us to our third point. How then do we do it? You know, it's interesting. Um, and, and C.S. Lewis makes this point about people's growth and holiness. You know, he says, we all kind of start out given our households, you know, where we come from and the ethics and morals that are expected of us either better or worse prepared to live in obedience to Scripture. Y'all follow me on that? So basically, the household that you come from, the more aligned the, the, the rules of the house were, the expectations of the house were with the Bible, the easier it is for us to appear to be living holy lives, right? It's natural to us. Of course I wouldn't do that. Of course I wouldn't engage with that. But not everybody has that benefit, right? Some people come from households that were completely raised completely antithetically to what Scripture calls us to do. And it puts you in a difficult position. And so some of us, like, you know, I was, I, was, I was raised in a Christian household, and so most of the things in Scripture, at least some of the things, come fairly naturally to me. The test of obedience, right, is, well, I don't want to do that. You know, I've checked off everything else, but here, that's not a place that I want to engage in. And so it can be really hard for us to change the way that we operate in humility to Scripture. And so what does our passage say about how it's possible? Well, let's look back at our passage briefly, uh, John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. See, God doesn't just call us to keep his commandments on his own. You know, one of our household routines that we do is we wash my wife's car. And it's kind of like, it's kind of a fun thing that we do, right? Because we get a big bucket and we fill it full of soap and we, uh, you know, we've got 14 different sponges of different sizes that we put out there for the kids to play in, right? It's kind of just this fun family activity that we all get together to do. Uh, in fact, Father Rodriguez told me about this spray-on nozzle that you can actually shoot foam bubbles out. So that's going to be a really, you know, awesome addition to our routine. But, you know, so we all get, we all get together, we get sponges, we start kind of playing with the car. But, you know, my expectations of what my kids can do without me, again, they're one in three, are not very high. Imagine if I, you know, set everything up for them, and then my wife and I step back, and we're like, all right, guys, wash the car. You've got about an hour, and I want it done perfectly. If I see any dirt, you're in a lot of trouble. Well, my kids' arms can't even reach the windows, right? And they typically just find that one spot they go over on and they start throwing bubbles at each other. I mean, that is an unfair expectation, and it gives them no help. Well, in the same way, when God calls us to obedience, when he calls us to his commandments, he's not asking us to do things without him being a part of it, without him lifting up and building into us and encouraging us and helping us along the way. He's given us a helper in the Holy Spirit. So how is the Holy Spirit our helper? Where Scripture says a lot about the Holy Spirit, in fact, Pentecost is in two weeks, and so I don't want to go too far uh, down the explanation of what the Holy Spirit does because there's, there's a great deal the Holy Spirit does uh, in us and for us, but it's our comforter, it's our advisor, it's our encourager, our strength, and our guide. 
Holy Spirit's the one that convicts us of sin and gives us strength to overcome it. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we're able to live into the fruits of the Spirit far better than you can on your own. You know what Scripture calls you to? It's an unbelievably high standard. Think about the fruits of the Spirit for a second, right? Love. Well, what does Scripture say about love? Love your enemies. Joy. Well, what's Scripture say? What's the Christian view of joy? What's the Christian standard? This is from James. Consider it joy when you suffer. Well, that's a little more than I can do on my own. Would you agree? Peace. It's not just peace because of your circumstances. It's peace despite your circumstances, right? Philippians 4, 7. Peace that passes all understanding. Fruit of the Spirit being patience. I have a hard time with that one, but patience. Patiently endure evil. That's 2 Timothy. Do you all see what I'm saying with this? The call of God is a high bar, but it's through the Holy Spirit that we're able to do it in the way that God has asked us to do it. So when God calls us to obedience, to keeping His, to keeping his commandments, He also supplies the access to His strength. The whole, and our, and Here's one more point about the Holy Spirit I want to bring up. I said earlier that when you're invited into the household of God, when you become a part of the household of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you begin to take on the traits of that household. Just as we take on the traits of the household that we are raised in, when we are given the spirit of adoption, which is what Scripture says about us, as we live in the house, as we work alongside the Holy Spirit to tackle our sin and to learn obedience, we begin to take on the traits of that household of God. You know, our love for God was never meant to be motivated solely by His once-for-all sacrifice for us. Our love for God is reignited as we worship Him and reignited by our ongoing relationship with Him. And one of the ways we relate to God through the Holy Spirit is when He works in our hearts and He sits down and He opens the closets that we don't want open and the doors that we don't want open and He organizes and He sorts things out and He brings them to our attention. And we engage with Him in working on our hearts in those very places that we would like to keep shut. So again, we're motivated to keep God's commandments by our love for Him. And we experience that love as He continues to work in our hearts and supply us with the power and strength to do what He's called us to do. So I want to encourage you today, if you get nudged by the Holy Spirit, if, he starts to, if the Holy Spirit starts to convict you of sin or point you in a direction or um, seeks to work alongside you so that you're better able to keep and follow the commandments of God, listen. And as you work alongside God, as you begin to wrestle with those parts of your heart and experience the freedom that comes from following His commandments, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the overwhelming love of God, who is not a petty tyrant, but a gracious Father that seeks to spur you on to love and good deeds. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You have not left us as orphans. But even as You call us to greater and greater deeds of love and mercy, to good works done in your name and for the glory of your name, you have given us the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to sustain us and strengthen us, to convict us and guide us. I pray that we would learn to humbly submit to your direction, 
and that in working on those parts of our hearts that you have called us to examine, we would experience the freedom and joy that comes from knowing you, not only in your incredible sacrifice that you have done for us, but in the ongoing works that you continue to do in us. In your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.